Hello, hello, and welcome back to Arthouse Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make arthouse, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, film critic Russell Miller returns as we share our top five films of 2023 so far. Before that, I'll tell you all about the 2023 Bentonville Film Festival that I was lucky to attend earlier this month. Stick around. Welcome to Arthouse Garage. 2023 is nearly halfway over. I can't believe the year has gone so fast. I like to stop and commemorate the halfway mark of the year by making a mini list of the top five films I've seen so far in the year. So I'm going to do just that in a few minutes with the help of my friend and film critic, Russell Miller. Quickly, before we get to that, I need to tell you about the 2023 Bentonville Film Festival, which ran June 13th through 18th, and I had the great pleasure of attending for the second time this year. The Bentonville Film Festival stands out in my mind for two reasons. One, the festival is focused on inclusion. The number of filmmakers featured each year is always largely made up of women, racial minorities, members of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as disabled filmmakers. Additionally, the panels they have each year focus on diversity and how to continue to push the envelope for inclusion. It's a great mission, and I've heard several filmmakers say they seek out the festival because of this. The second thing that sets this festival apart is just how fun it is. There are, of course, great films playing, but there are also the aforementioned panels. I got to do an art bike ride this year. That was really fun. Plus, there's an annual event called Gina and Friends. I missed it last year, but I'm so glad I went this time. Gina Davis and some of her famous women friends take the stage and they act out movie scenes. The scenes they choose are all male scenes, but they gender swap everything and it's hilarious. This year they did scenes from Anchorman, Ted Lasso, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I posted a few photos of that on Instagram. All those extra things really make this festival fun, but of course, I'm there primarily for the movies. I was able to get a few interviews on the ground at Bentonville this year, as well as some connections for interviews in the next few weeks. I'm going to be posting those as their own episodes, so stay tuned to the podcast feed for those. For now, I'll just highlight a few of the things I watched and enjoyed this year. First, a film called Hard Miles. This film is directed by Arkansas filmmaker R.J. Daniel Hanna, and it stars Matthew Modine, Sean Astin, Leslie David Baker, who you may know from The Office, he plays Stanley, and Cynthia K. McWilliams. Matthew Modine plays a social worker and cycling enthusiast named Greg, and he takes some of his teenage convicts on a cycling trip to the Grand Canyon. I'll say from that plot description, I was a little dubious. I'm not the biggest fan of sports movies, but I was thoroughly impressed by this film, not only for its solid performances, but for its writing. The script avoids many cliches, stays grounded, and avoids being cheesy or trite. Miles and miles of cycling could also become a little one note in the wrong hands, but the direction and the use of the camera here keep things interesting. Follow hardmiles underscore movie on Instagram for more. Another film I saw this year is a documentary called Join or Die, which is all about clubs. That may seem like a strange subject for a film, but it's actually fascinating. Filmmakers Pete and Rebecca Davis draw on the work of political scientist Robert Putnam, as well as interviews with Putnam and a slew of other notable people, including Pete Buttigieg and Hillary Clinton. The idea at the center of this film is simple. Americans used to join clubs, 
bowling clubs, rotary clubs, religious groups, and we don't anymore. Social involvement in communities has been on a steady decline for decades, and Robert Putnam says this is weakening our democracy. The filmmakers dig into the research and follow some everyday Americans as they join or start clubs. Learn more on Instagram, join or die film, or check out putnamdoc.com for details. I really enjoyed that one. Two more films I'll just mention the titles of because you may or may not hear more about them in our top five conversation in just a moment. Those films are Big Boys and Hummingbirds. Stay tuned to hear about those films and why I loved them. And that was Bentonville 2023. I loved every minute and I can't wait for next year. Check out the festival on Instagram to see event photos, plus the winners of the festival. That's at BFF Festival on Instagram. You can also find a link in the show notes to that. And check out my Instagram at Arthouse Garage. I was able to get lots of photos this year and posted the highlights on Instagram. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nom nom. All right, let's talk top five. My guest is Russell Miller, a film critic based in North Carolina and a great lover of film lists. Russell reviews movies at Miller's Movies. You can find the link to that in the show notes. And without further ado, let's hear from Russell. Welcome back to the podcast, Russell Miller. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. Whenever it's time for a list episode, you're my you're my most <laughs> listy list 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 making friend. I pop up behind the nearest bush and I'm like, somebody say list. <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked about it because it's so interesting. Because I, you know, everyone watches movies differently. I think when I watch something, I feel like I need at least like an hour to process. Sometimes like a few days to be like, what did I really think about this? But it seems like you pretty quickly are like. I know exactly where this ranks and what I've seen for the year. And like, I, uh, so, and I always just really respect like that decisiveness. <laughs> That's part of it. Is I just can't decide things. Anyway. Um, I believe it's and, called obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it works out well for a list episode anyway. Um, and I always love just doing a list episode when we can to, you know, talk about a lot of things all at once. Um, so how, how do you feel about the, the movie year so far for 2023? Uh, yeah, it hasn't been too bad, um, but maybe it might just be because I just haven't gotten to see as much stuff as I did at the same mm-hmm. point last year. Like, I yeah. only caught, like, I think I was telling you, half a dozen films from Sundance this year, and last year, mm-hmm. I caught, like, over 20, 20-something, 20 mm-hmm. and out of the ones that I caught last year, like, Navalny and After Yang ended up mm-hmm. being in my top four or five films of the year. So right yeah. out of the gate, I had, and, and of course, we had our Best Picture winner, Everything Everywhere released in the spring. Mm. And by this point last year, we had Top Gun. And, you know, we had like some some real bangers, like, you know, just hitting yeah. straight out of the gate. And so this year, I haven't been as terribly impressed with the movies that I have got to see. But again, it may just be because I haven't gotten to quite as much. I, 
because mm-hmm. of, this was my first full season with the, the film critics. I've had access to more like um, uh, like the, the foreign cinema and mm-hmm. the docs and stuff, being a member of the, uh, uh, the uh, Independent Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. have access to like all their docs and um you know their voting and so i had like up through basically the end of march i was still watching like foreign mm-hmm. features eo mm-hmm. the quiet girl you know, yeah, joyland yeah. all these fantastic foreign foreign films that i just you know and so i just haven't gotten to <laughs> gotten to watch as much for 2023 movies as i yeah as I probably did at this same point last year. So maybe it's just that I haven't gotten to check enough stuff out. Yeah. Same, same for me that I just, what I was like, I don't know if I can even do a list cause I haven't seen that many things, but then in the last, I, I said that to you a couple weeks ago by text, yeah. but then I watched a bunch of stuff really recently that um, I was like, you know what? I think I do have an, enough breadth of uh, stuff. Yeah. Some, and saw some really good stuff here recently. Um, but yeah, I think, like I, last year I did some Sundance. I didn't get to do any this year. It's just, I've been kind of personally just busy with other things yeah. too. That's part of it. I uh, just haven't seen quite as many things. Um, so yeah. on that note, as I say, there's a few big things that I haven't seen yet that, you know, it's not technically quite the halfway point of the year. So the new Wes Anderson, I haven't seen yet because it's not out just yet. And that's something that, you know, there's a good chance it might've creeped on there. Exactly. Um, is there any, anything big that you... Oh, mental yeah. next week. Uh, tickets for that on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, coming up next week. Asteroid City is next Thursday. We, I got tickets for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be taking the kids to see some of these, and uh, we'll see if yeah. uh, see how we like the, the new Mission Impossible. Oppenheimer mm-hmm. next month. Barbie. Yeah. yeah, lots of good movies. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy hitters on the way. Um, yeah, I think I guess Asteroid City is the big one that you know I would have hoped to see before this list but it yeah didn't work out. i was like man if we recorded one week from now <laughs> I, I i wanted to I, I expected to be able to get both of the elemental and asteroid city mm-hmm. under my belt but uh <laughs> yeah nope. sorry to spring it on you just <laughs> schedule worked out this way because my next episode is going to be about asteroid city is the plan like, well, i need to just top five list now and uh, anyway so we'll here we are the end of the year to, to see how the the asteroid yeah, yeah. city shakes shakes up the list yeah, yeah. for go. sure um well what else i had another question for you before we get into our list let me uh double check what that question was because i'm now blanking um actually i think that was it so uh is there anything else you want to say about the year before we jump into uh to our list well um so one of the things about our list that i was going to mention oh yes that's what i was going to bring up yeah you have stats (laughs) (laughs) so i went back through all your old podcasts to see how much overlap we have because you did a list in 2020 2021 Mm -hmm. 22 we did our mid-year and then 2022, we did our end of year. And in every one of those lists, we have had overlap. We had overlap in 2020, never rarely, sometimes always. And first oh, yeah. from both of our okay, lists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the year after, we both had the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. And then in our halfway point last year, we both had Everything Everywhere and After Yang. And yeah. then After Yang was on our list at the end of the year, along with Triangle and Women Talking. So we've had consistent yeah. overlap like pretty much since we've like been film critics 
Yeah, um, that's really cool. Great minds think alike. Yeah, there you go. That's really cool. It's interesting. It's like it's like one or two, but it's never more than that. Because I, you know, I did a top ten with uh, Philip Price, a good friend of mine. I don't know if yeah. you actually met, but and then we had like no overlap at all that yeah. year, which was really funny. Um, just like very different tastes, but but yeah, we're on the same wavelength at some yeah. at some level. So we'll see. If we, but see, like you, yeah, so like you this year, I I like. Have, I know that you've seen some things just from like the podcast releases that you've had. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of know some of the films that you've seen, but I'm like seriously a doubt as to whether we have any overlap at yeah, all. Like so this, we might break the, might, we might set a new precedent here. Of like, like in There's one that I feel like is probably on your list. I don't, I don't know. We'll see if it gets uh, there. I'll tell right. you which one it is, but. Um, so if, if somebody's right. on their list, then we stop and we wait. <clears throat> Same as we did. Yeah. So yeah, remind me. Let's let's talk through that. You explain that again. So for the listeners and for myself, as soon as somebody that. says the name, we say, "Oops, stop." We're going to talk about that later. That way, cool. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Spoiler: If somebody's got it at three, two, one, say, "Oops, mm -hmm. hold on." We'll and then whoever more. has it higher kind of gets to do the bulk of the talking about it. Well, they like, like it. They like it more too. Over that, if, if we both <laughs> love the movie and we both go off on it for twenty minutes, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you from talking. <laughs> Well, cool. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, Russell Miller, what is your top five film of 2023? So My far, number, number five, five. Uh, top five film so far that I've seen of 2023, which I just came in at right under 40 films so far. Mm, wow. But number five is Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. Wow, cool. <laughs> uh, as odd as it may be, um, that movie just so 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 great. Uh, the director is John Francis Day, the guy that directed Game Night. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I enjoyed pretty. I loved Game well. Night. I haven't seen Dungeons and Dragons yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and the the writer is Jonathan Goldstein. He wrote uh, the, uh, a few different movies, but he uh, mainly did like some of his best comedic work with the Horrible Bosses movies. Mm -hmm. And so those guys are both you know, kind of have some, some good, um, humorous insights and the, the writer director combo of those two guys combined with the, um, the character of Chris Pine that, that, uh, plays the main protagonist of the movie. Um, that combo just works so well. Um, and, and Chris Pine effectively carries the movie. Like he does so much of the heavy lifting with his, his quippy lines and his, mm. his just, I mean, he's just a funny guy kind of naturally. Yeah. Um, and then, so basically just to fill in a little bit about the story, because I, I, I've never played the games, so I don't really know any of the stuff to do with the Dungeons and Dragons mythology, the characters, yeah. the, the, the items that they go searching for, I, you know, I don't know about any of that. Um, but he's a member of this Harper's fa uh, faction. Uh, they're this network of spies. They're basically like a medieval police force. They're sworn protectors of the innocent. They ask nothing in return uh, type of a deal. But mm -hmm. then something happens and he has to more or less become a thief. 
And that's where the title Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves comes into play. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the film starts with Edgen is, is Chris Pine's character's name, Edgen. And Holga is Michelle Rodriguez. Um, they're kind of, um, although I'm not like the biggest Michelle Rodriguez fan, like I don't think she's a terribly wonderful actress or anything, but they have a nice chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. She, he's like this kind of like a charismatic thief, criminal guy. And she's like a, a badass, like for, you know, she, mm-hmm. she's like super tough, kicks butt all day long. And so they go, they, they're in this prison and uh, as, as a result of like a, a robbery gone wrong mm-hmm. and they're, they've got to get out of prison. And then from there, they've got, a, they've got these quests. They're trying to find this relic and then they've got to find this helmet. Uh, you know, just all these different kind of missions mm-hmm. within the whole story. And uh, of course, um, like the bad guy in the movie is Hugh Grant because he's the bad guy in right. every movie that he's in. <laughs> and so they're like, um, they're kind of playing off of him. And, and it is, it is, uh, uh, like I said, pretty, uh, darn funny and just a lot of fun. Um, mm. again, just the, the Chris Pine character, Hugh Grant is amusing. And, um, again, I, I, Honestly, all the questing and stuff was fine. I mean, it played like, um, you know, with all these elements of the game that I wasn't familiar with, but it was a good movie and I had a lot of fun. And uh, that's the kind of movie I want to show to my kids because I think they'll have a good time with it too. Like lots of characters and stuff that I hadn't seen before. Creatures and dragons and dungeons, of course. So (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah, it's it's one that I... I wanted to go see, I really love Chris Pine in like comedic mode. I think he's really good and, yeah. and so charming when he's doing stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was one that was, you know, on my radar and I wanted to go and I, it was again, a busy season there when it came out. Theaters, but, but uh, I caught up yeah. with it afterwards, kind of after the mad Russian movies through the first mm-hmm. three or four months of the year, I finally started catching up with some stuff and I was like, this is, this is, this is excellent. This is a great movie. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. I definitely check it out now. And also, you know, I've been at this film festival and it's like a lot of really good stuff, a lot of like kind of heavy stuff. So I'm ready for something light. So it might be a good time to watch that now. Um, Well, cool. I'm excited to see it. Time for my number five, which is a film I just talked about a lot on the podcast very recently, a new film called You Hurt My Feelings by Nicole Hollis Center, writer, director, who um, I again if you've listened to that episode i'll be brief about it but i really like this film a lot it's uh, writer director nicole hall of center actually my first film that i've seen by her and she's been around a while and a lot of people really love her uh <clears throat> the uh plot of this is julie louise dreyfus plays beth i think is the character's name she's a writer she has published a memoir that's been pretty successful and then is working on a second book she's also married to a guy played by Tobias Menzies, who's really great. And he's, they have a, you know, very strong connection, very strong marriage. Um, and he also edits her writing for her all the time and like is very supportive and has told her many times, I love, I love your new book. It's great. She overhears him one day. It's kind of where that, the action of the, of the plot kicks in. She overhears him talking to a friend saying that he in fact does not like the new book at all. 
can't read it again. He's tired of reading these drafts. He thinks it's really not going to sell well. And he's like, like really uh, down on it. And this is so, so devastating to her, of course. And uh, it really explores it's, it's a low key movie. It is funny in places, but it's, it's very grounded and it doesn't uh, try to push the humor more than it should, which I appreciated about it. And it just really looks close, like what does this do to their marriage? And it also looks at the similar theme of, you know, when we want to be supportive of our loved ones, but we also want to be honest with our loved ones. And when those things don't exactly line up uh, in different ways, not just in the main uh, uh, kind of theme there, but it also like they, there's some things about how they have treated their son and, and some ways he's felt uh, over the years and some their a sister and brother-in-law and they have similar kind of discussions it really is a i think it all feels very organic but it keeps hitting that same thing from different angles and it really invites you as a viewer to like think about your own relationship and like how how do you um feel about your spouse's work and like do you have to think your spouse is the best at what they're doing to be a good spouse like it 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 was really interesting and thought-provoking um and just like again really down to earth and um i love a good you know simple kind of indie dramedy and this exactly hit that that button for me and i thought it was fantastic so highly recommend you hurt my feelings yeah i was i just got to see that a couple weeks ago and uh, yeah i uh i thought it was a really interesting i mean that that their relationship is so I, i mean i found it pretty funny um they're like constantly like eating each other's food yeah. and <laughs> it is funny i don't mean to downplay how funny it is but it's i thought it might be like a more like over the top comedy yeah that's not at all what it was yeah no but i i thought it was a pretty uh pretty well explored i mean it's not you know gonna like blow your mind with any like revelations or uh, you know it, but uh but just kind of breaking down those concepts of you know, like uh, the little white lies that we tell each other to mm-hmm. you know, maybe save each other's feelings, um, you know, in, as opposed to being like brutally honest with each other 100% of the time. Like, where do you draw yeah. that line? At what point yeah. are you enabling somebody by just telling them that everything mm-hmm. they do is good or perfect? I thought those were uh, were really well explored, and I I really enjoyed that one too. It was a great, uh, maybe not a great movie, but certainly a good, really good film. Yeah, nice, very cool. I didn't know you'd seen it, or whether you'd seen it or not. So that's cool. I'm starting to catch well, up on my A A twenty four. I had a few that I missed. Yeah, that's the other know. thing. Yeah, you know, I I almost didn't see. It. I was like, yeah, it's A twenty four. It'd probably be pretty good. And then yeah, uh, it's kind of scheduled it because I needed something for that week on the podcast. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad I watched this. And I, I definitely am going to try to catch up with more of her films. Uh, but yeah, cool. All right, time for number four. Russell, what is your number four of twenty twenty three so far? So my number four movie. I don't know exactly how in the world this movie ever got to be released and available to the public i don't know how neon didn't get like purchased mm-hmm. by exxon mobile or british petroleum and just like this movie was completely buried somewhere and never mm-hmm. seen or heard from again but the title of the film is is as clear cut as it gets and that is how to blow up a pipeline yes. um uh, a, a director um, that I'm not familiar with his other work, Daniel 
Goldhaber. Um, he, he does some very simple yet effective um, storytelling in this film. Um, and with a relatively unknown cast, uh, basically what the movie does so effectively is it takes a big screen idea um, you know, like, uh, you, you might remember the movie, well, it's probably about a decade old now, but, um, uh, the Russell Crowe movie, The Next Three Days. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but yeah. Okay. All right. So that, like, so you, like the, the, there's like a prison break series on TV. That's kind of like the big screen. Like there's a, there's a prison mm. break and Shawshank and like a million different movies and TV shows. It's kind of like a big screen idea. And the next three days takes that and like brings it like right down as close as you can get to like the earth. Like it makes it so realistic and so well thought out of like, if this guy was me, if Russell Crowe, if if that happened to me and my wife was unjustly put in jail, like, and I had to get her out, this is like a logical, like, step a step b step c Mm -hmm. like how you would go about doing that and this movie does basically the exact same thing and i find that type of filmmaking so fascinating and like how like almost shockingly realistic it is um but the film just like pulls you into this world of uh there's probably like this crew of maybe eight to ten people and it starts like right from the beginning, it's starting to like give you pieces of each of their backstories. And so you learn about these characters, their uh, motivations, and like one by one, you start to kind of like get into the minds of these people. And they each have kind of a different set of skills that they bring to this project of building a bomb and putting it on this like pipeline to commit basically an act of terrorism. (laughs) Um, But I mean, the, the movie is in and of itself, I mean, very like kind of like anti gas and oil company Mm -hmm. is very pro like climate movement. Um, And, and so like, as, as the plot kind of goes not to go too far into it, but, one of the characters is uh, has been like uh, she's been captured to some extent, and she's kind of working in cahoots with the FBI, and so mm-hmm. she's kind of like giving them info as all the rest of these characters move forward in their plot to like attack this pipeline and blow it up, and so there's this like, will they be able to do it? Will they, you know, will the they catch up with them type of thing and it builds up some great tension towards the end of the movie. Um, a great tension building score. Um, yeah, that, that movie is, that movie's dynamite <laughs> quite uh, literally. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. That's great. I haven't seen it yet. I heard big, uh, a lot, a lot of buzz around it when it played, whatever festival it played. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it more so now. I didn't, I knew it was sort of an activism related thing and, but I didn't know all the, those details. So definitely need to check that out. Uh, that's cool. 
and when you said it, I thought you were going to say something else when you're that intro about like, how did this film get made? I thought you, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you later. I thought you were going to say Bo is afraid because like that oh. movie, I was like, how did this get made? But then you were like Exxon Mobil. It's like, oh, it must be the pipeline movie. <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, all right. My number four so far this year. Um, and this is confusing because technically it came out internationally last year, but got a U.S. release this year. Uh, but it is an animated film called Suzume, which is an anime uh, from director Mikado Shinkai, <clears throat> excuse me, who uh, also directed Your Name and Weathering with You. Um, another one called 60 Centimeters Per Second. I might be getting that title wrong. Um, but this is so with Your Name and Weathering with You, this is sort of a trilogy ender suzume is the name of the main character and um if you've seen any of those movies then you know like his animation style is so gorgeous um he like so it just looks absolutely stunning if you like anime if you've ever seen an image from anime and thought that it looked cool you will have so much to appreciate about this film it, it looks amazing um the story is uh it's very fantastical, but it also has real world um, resonance. And I encourage you to listen to my podcast about it if you're curious about more of that, because my guest on there was able to speak into, you know, some of the natural disasters that have happened in Japan and um, kind of how that's related to this film. All three of the films in this like now sort of trilogy, which don't have any characters in common or anything like that, but they sort of, sort of feels like the same world. There's natural disaster involved in all three of them. Um, and there so the, i guess the fantastical part of this is there's these um sort of mystical doors that uh are holding back darkness at bay and when they open up it causes like earthquakes and um tsunamis and, and different things go wrong and suzume uh sort of gets mixed up in the the plot to try to she, she actually is accidentally uh, causes this to the monster to come out basically and this huge monster um, comes out that's the cause of these disasters and then she and uh, this other character have to kind of go on a quest to to solve it and to, to recapture it and um, it goes in some really interesting directions i won't spoil anything about the ending but it, ha- it came full circle in, in the end in a way that i didn't expect and uh, thought was absolutely beautiful um so, and it, so like it works on an emotional level the music is incredible which for all three of the films of the trilogy really good but in this one it's maybe the most like mature kind of because i think like in your name and weathering with you there's like there's a lot of like serious kind of classical music but there's also more lighthearted, maybe that you would associate with anime like kind of almost like punk rock sounding and it's a rock band that that scores them and i love that music too but in this one it's it's much more kind of um mature sounding and uh yeah absolutely blown away incredible big screen experience uh, with that one um highly highly recommend suzume well that's one i haven't caught yet that's uh it's a movie I've, I've heard some pretty good things about of course that director is is not missed i don't think and yeah. quite a while your name is fantastic and i've got weathering with you on my to buy list in my amazon card mm. so I'll be, nice i'll be uh, getting that on 4k now uh, the next you know month or two here but uh, yeah yeah i actually watched so i re i watched your name for the first time leading up to suzume but i rewatched weathering with you both on on the 4k disc and they look amazing so yeah anime on 4k looks great all right 
All right, next up is your number three. Number three. So this year we've gotten um, several films that are based on products. Um, and yeah, like the, the social network set like the gold standard mm-hmm. for like, you know, the, the Fincher and Sorkin combination of like excellence uh, that yes. the social network brought. Um, and now like we're getting these kind of like wannabes um, we've gotten Tetris and mm-hmm. air already this year, which are both really, really good. Um, those are like honorable mention type of movies, but mm-hmm. um, in my mind, at least the clear um, winner of like the uh, social wannabe, a uh, social network wannabe competition <laughs> was uh, Blackberry. Mm, nice. Blackberry, uh, the IFC film um, that uh, that is directed by Matt Johnson. He also stars in the movie, um, but basically, like his name in the movie, he plays the character Doug. The director does. He plays the character Doug, and then Mike, uh, Mike and Doug are these tech guys. They work at this uh, techie techie like they're, they're kind of these nerdy guys they work at a tech company and they're they, uh, at least doug wears like this uh, headband like a sweatband like that you'd see everybody in the 90s like workout videos wearing yeah. he's always dressed in like shorts and like he's got t-shirts with like the 80s and 90s slogans on them and they play video games at work they have indiana jones movie night and you know they're just a bunch of geeks basically like you know like us doing this yeah. <laughs> and then so so the the fun fun part of this movie is when this other guy um so they run this tech company and there's another guy jim uh played by glenn howerton he's like the like a, a guy from Like Shark Tank, like he's always in this suit. He's got like a short fuse, drives a BMW, uh, but he's the guy that gets the deal done. He goes into a a, you know an office room and he like takes charge and just you know, um, you know even if he's got to like bust your you know bust your butt, yell at you, scream (laughs) at you, like he'll he'll get get things moving. And so what happens is is that. These two guys, um, Doug and Mike, the, the tech techie guys, they end up hiring Jim to be like a co-CEO with Mike. And so that immediately, like within the first 10 to 15 minutes, he's introduced as this like co-leader of this company because they've pitched him on this uh, this device that's basically like what the BlackBerry will be. It's like the early stages of the BlackBerry. And so you've got these like nerdy guys on the one side of things and this like shark suit guy that's like barking orders on the other side. And they're all like, you know, dialed into like the internet playing video games back and forth. And he comes into the mix and he's just like, get off the Wi-Fi, I'm trying to make a phone, or get off, get off the, 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 it would have been dial up. Dial up, right, yeah. You know, you know and so he's, so the, it plays with those dynamics, like kind of through the first act, sets up like the stage for how they invent the Blackberry and start like all the hurdles that they have to overcome in order to like 
get this device to the market and it is like uh, again like it's not at the level of the social network but um it's it's the closest of the ones that we've gotten at uh at being able to um create this like sense of urgency as the story mm-hmm. progresses uh, the, the runtime just breezes by um there's a great there's some great like music that the song like some great songs that the uh, the film uh, utilizes with like some fun needle drops and um and there's like quite a few just like i'm explaining uh humorous moments that the screen the screenplay and even some of the editing um plays with there's a scene when when the the, the shark guy jim is like barking some orders and uh he refers to i i don't even want to spoil it but he uses the d word and I, I don't know how like, I don't think your 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 uh, podcast is like completely uncensored or not, but uh, but it does this like pan in shot like from something of the office uh-huh. on like like if you watch the office, um, like the, they would do like some pan in shots of like Pam or Jim and like their weird faces that Our facial reactions, yeah, and it and it was like so out of place in this movie. But he uses this word and then it pans in on this woman and like the look on her face and like it completely caught me, caught me off guard, but I like just started cracking up. I was like, that is hilarious that they left the movie. But yeah, all audiences will love Blackberry, the quick pace, the compelling story. Um, you know, it just takes Blackberry into the upper tier of these like product movies. They're they're all they're all very good um, to borderline great films, but uh, but Blackberry takes takes the pie. Nice, very cool. I have not seen Blackberry yet, but yeah, I've heard it. As the the one sentence pitch that I heard was like, "It's like Social Network, but funny." <laughs> I'm like that sounds amazing. So, and you know, Jay Baruchel is in it, right? And and England Howerton are such funny comedic actors, anyway. So yeah. Yeah, definitely hope to check that out really soon. I've not seen it yet, though. Nice. All right, number three for me is a film I just saw at the Bentonville Film Festival. Mm. It's called Big Boys. And I think this might have played at Sundance. I was trying to remember. It's played a few festivals already. Um, And I knew basically nothing about it. I I read the one-sentence thing going into it. It was at a time that was convenient for me, and, and it looked interesting. And I absolutely loved it it's a queer coming of age story. Um, and it, the, the main character is this 14 year old kid and he's pretty heavy set. So that's where the title big voice comes from. And he is kind of just realizing he's queer and like, at parts of the film, he's um, not wanting to admit that to himself yet. Uh, and, but he's having this, so it's coming of age story. And, and I think what I loved about this so much is that, you know, we hear, Oh, a gay coming of age story that's there's going to be like some traumatic stuff happening. Like that's, that's what we've seen over and over, but this doesn't do that. It's, it's a comedy for one thing. It's very funny. There certainly is cringe awkwardness, but it's, it's not a traumatic film, which is a nice change of pace. Um, it's incredibly charming. The main character uh, is named Jamie and he's played by this young actor named Isaac Krasner, who is so charming and so funny and so like, he he 
there was a Q&A after and they talked about like seeing his audition tape like he just nailed the thing of like he knows that he's being awkward and cringy in a way that the audience will think is funny but the character's not in on it you know in a way like he doesn't know he's being that but it's also like you you're on his side and you really care about him um if i could describe it it's it's almost like if he reminds me of anyone in in show business that you've heard of he's a little bit like andy milanakis but i i hate that just that that comparison also because I feel like Andy Milanox's whole thing is that he's like really obnoxious. Um, and that's not the case for, for this actor, Isaac Krasner. He's like so endearing, um, but so just awkward to the people around him. Uh, anyway, so it's the story is that he goes on a camping trip with um, his cousins uh, or it's his, his brother and his cousin. Maybe they're both cousins. Yeah. I think it's, it's three cousins, um, but his favorite cousin, Allie uh, brings her boyfriend and, um, whose name is Dan and he's at first you know why would you bring this uh, this extra person it's supposed to be just the three of us and he's very upset about that but then Dan he ends up realizing he has a strong feelings of desire towards um, and the way it plays out is is unexpected it, it doesn't um, do a lot of the cliches you might expect um, consistently very funny and like just the cinematography looks really great. Like it's, uh, I don't know, maybe that's like at a film festival, sometimes there's kind of lower budget things, but this, this feels like very, um, well put together. I'm sure it is a low budget movie, but it doesn't feel that way. I guess I put it that way. The director is named Corey Sherman. And I think he sort of bases some of the story on some of his own experiences, but, uh, yeah, you just really, uh, there's all the interactions between the characters are, are fantastic um yeah highly recommend big boys i feel like i haven't said terribly much about the plot but i don't want to spoil things about it um but just it's such a crowd pleaser that i think um yeah anyone would really have a fun time with you know you'll laugh you'll cry that kind of a movie it's uh, really fantastically done Sounds cool. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a bunch of the movies that uh, that hit Sundance to uh, kind of make their way out into some of the other festivals yeah. and get picked up for distribution. Um, and kind I'm of pretty sure that was a Sundance one, and I think it is. They they said at the the Q and A that they're hoping to hope via VOD at least, but streaming definitely by the end of the year. So that too, yeah. I know it's always obnoxious when you listen to a podcast and they're like, "Oh, this movie that's great that <laughs> you can't watch yet." Sorry, but it's so good, and you keep an eye out for Big Boys because it's going to be uh, coming out the next few months i think but nice. all right Very cool. time for number two yeah so going to uh, to sundance the uh, the grand jury prize winner this year um is my number two and that is 1001 um oh, av rockwell yeah yeah a lot of a lot of great films come out of sundance every year and the grand jury prize winner is usually pretty pretty exceptional last year was nanny the year before was coda our best picture winner yeah that was yeah, minari right. so they're usually yeah usually pretty good films and uh, 1001 um was no exception it uh it's a uh it's kind of a more simple family drama uh a little bit slower paced than uh, most of the other movies that i've been talking about um, but basically the, the main character is Inez, uh, played by Tiana Taylor. And she does a fantastic job. She like, if, if this was like end of the year and we were talking about best of 
the year performances. Yeah. Um, she would be right there at the top. I would have to strongly debate between her and one other performance as far as like my favorite best actress performances. Yeah. Um, she's so good. But basically she plays a mother. She's getting out of jail at the beginning of the film, but she catches up with this little boy, her son. We assume it's her son, but he's in foster care. And his name is Terry. Um, but then uh, he gets hurt. Um, so there was an incident involving his foster mom. He fell out of the window or something. He goes to, he has to go to the hospital. She goes to visit him there. She brings him some toys. But then she ends up deciding to take him out of foster care, like mm. her own way. And that mm. is with no paperwork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so which, yeah. Illegally. Uh, yeah, it's also yeah. the illegal wow. way, also known as kidnapping, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, and then, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really kind of explore all of that. Um, but it does get into like by the end so it's basically like this family story like a, he, he grows up he becomes a teenager he's got a shot to go to college she gets married to another like pretty good guy but they've got you know their own issues that they're working through um but it explains or i shouldn't say it explains it, it it contemplates questions like what does it mean to be a mother um you know, what, what, uh, what do you call your home? What does it mean to have a home? Um, what makes a place our home? Uh, Like, how do you define family even? What makes somebody your family? Uh, is it just blood relation? You know, like all those types of things. And uh, because, you know, the, the one father figure to this, to, to, to Terry, um, you know, is, is not related to him at all. And so it's, it just explores a lot of these kind of interesting family relationships. And uh, yeah, definitely by the end, um, leaves you like a little teary eyed and like, is yeah. thinking about your own family and, you know, your own kids or whatever. And uh, a very, very touching, very moving story. I, uh, I really uh, enjoyed that one a lot. That's fantastic. I knew nothing about that other than the title. As you're talking about it, it reminds me of shoplifters a little bit, just like so maybe there's some legally little, or ethically questionable things, like that, but then yeah. it's about like what is a family kind of that's cool. I can't this wait to see one, that now. That's this one takes place in like Harlem. It's hmm. placed in the mid nineties, I think, like early to mid nineties. And so that you know either either Harlem or the Bronx, I can't remember. But anyway, New York City, mid nineties. And just these family, this nice family drama. It's it's an excellent film. It's it's really nice. really solid. All right, definitely adding that to my list. That's fantastic. All right, time for my number two, and my number two film is one that. So this is where I was. You know, I haven't seen that many great things. I don't know if I can make a really strong list. And then I saw this, and I was like, it actually shot up to number one. But then I saw something else that dethroned it to number two, <laughs> and that is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. The new animated uh, Spider-Man film, and you know, I, I when I've talked to a few people about this, like I wasn't that hyped about it for whatever reason. I love the first one, and I just felt like, how can they possibly recapture that magic in a, in another film? And it just had wasn't really on my radar. I think I'd seen a couple little clips, but I didn't watch. I know there was like 
several different trailers and things that I just hadn't watched. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'll go see it. Uh, and it completely blew me away. So, so good. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, I've seen it. We okay. have boys to watch it. Nice. Um, it, I think it, it does recapture the magic. It leans into some of the things that were so great about the first one, um, like the music and, and how kind of moody it is and, and, but energetic it is, uh, even like some specific moments. Like, so I did a, actually, I guessed it on another podcast called agents of mace, which I'll link in the show notes. It's like a Marvel podcast that a friend of mine does. And I am never up to date on Marvel things. But I was like, Oh, I've seen this. <laughs> invited me on. So I'm, I'm repeating seen. myself. If you've listened to that, but, um, <laughs> You know, in the first Spider-Verse movie, there's like the great scene where he's listening to Post Malone and he's kind of like getting lost in the music in his room, which is such a cool thing to see like Spider-Man doing. And there's the great music moment in this too. It's a different song. It's James Blake is the singer on it. It's called Hummingbird, I think. And uh, he's laying on his bed, but then the stuff starts floating around his room. And it's like, that's such a a cool kind of like he's getting lost in the music moment. And then there's like a story reason why the stuff is floating um, because the multiverse is, you know, coming apart or whatever uh, as Gwen is about to visit him. But that stuff is great. Like it, I think there's a few moments in the first film too, where it like, it really lets you pause and like just take in a beautiful cityscape that of course is animated, but it like, like the, the, in the first one, the shot where he's like jumping upside down and it looks so cool. There's a handful of things like that. Where like the, they realize that's the strength of this animation style is like they have this little sp- spidey date where they're swinging around the city together and mm-hmm. just so it looks gorgeous. And it's like, it's, it's such a vibe. Like the, the music is good with it. It's, it's so good. Um, another great decision that this film makes. I have, okay, two more points, then I'll stop gushing about this movie. But <laughs> it really you get Gwen, spider Gwen's story uh, much more than I expected. Uh, Cause you know, she's like very much a side character in the first one, but in this one, she's almost like equal footing with miles as far as yeah. who's the main character. And the first, like, it feels like 40 minutes. I don't know. A lot of the film yeah, is learning her backstory. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's really emotionally moving right off the bat because of that. But it also, um, establishes that in in this movie we're going to go to some different universes and the animation style is pretty different in each one and in yeah. hers it's really almost like impressionistic and then like they're not concerned about like the continuity of colors mm-hmm. in one shot everything looks very green and the next it looks very pink and it's yeah. it's obviously just like wanting you to feel a certain way like which is really cool painted it on crack. <laughs> yeah exactly and then sometimes it um, pastels in there <laughs> yeah lots of pastels um and even some like i think like there's some famous artwork that just kind of appears as like their background later in the film when they're in that universe anyway that stuff is really cool but then it just has this theme and i'm not going to spoil the ending but um one of the major themes is like don't let someone else write your story for you and that's a really cool thing just on the surface anyway but then you think about so like gwen and miles are both having that sort of a um dilemma and then that that plays into like canon events and like timelines and all of that in a really creative way but then i I think what's so powerful about it is especially like okay like obviously i'm like a 30 something white guy but like thinking about young black kids and who who you might have been told like you can only go so far in life or like whatever your story's been written for you in a way and he's breaking out of that and it even in the very like final moments of the film 
we see there's so much about father figures and parental figures as well which i, I love about the film yeah. and we see like a um i don't want to spoil anything we just we 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 feel the 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 importance of um the the parental figures in your life and the um the the way the story could have gone i guess specifically for for some of these characters that's all i'll say but like the way it tied that in and it, it felt like it had real world kind of resonance with you know cycles of crime and poverty and all of that like i didn't expect it to do all of that like i was like, oh, okay it'll be fun and creative and have a bunch of different spider-men and, and it does that but then it also like really hit home for me um and i think will probably have a be impactful for for a lot of viewers so yes absolutely love the spider-verse movie and that's the one i thought you might have on your list but apparently no you would have stopped me right no no i um yeah, that's in my honorable mentions because nice. i okay, okay. i did really like it but like I, I, you know the the first spider-verse movie i mean that's like an all-timer it's yeah it's probably one of the best like top 10 of the 2010s type of movie like you know yeah, it's incredible one best best animated feature oscar you know and like like just the critics rave about the original and uh, and so this one had a, a high bar you know coming straight out of the gate to you know to clear to just to live up to its predecessor yeah and i kind of felt like they did a little too much um because did you take your children to see that movie i didn't i was gonna say i almost did i thought for one thing i thought it might be like too heavy for my son who's eight um i think he would have been fine like i don't think it was too scary i think he might have been a little bored (laughs) like it's because there's action in it but there's a lot of just dialogue scenes which i love and i think it makes it great but yeah go ahead that was one of my critiques with the film was that okay so you have your, your all the other Spider-Man movies, your Tobey Maguire, your Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. You know, like these are the ones that cater to adults, but then you're bringing like an animated Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. to the table, and that really leans itself towards like you know being the one of the target audiences is like for kids and young adults. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the movie, but like partway through. Like I looked at my kids, they're eight and 10, soon to be nine and, or not, I'm sorry, eight and 11, soon to be nine and 11. And they were both kind of like, what's going on? Like it's, yeah. the movie is doing a lot and it's very yes. intentionally doing a lot because it's kind of got a one up its predecessor. Mm-hmm. I felt like a, it, it really wanted to like take all the, the stylized animation styles and, you know, the, the complicated, you know, multiverse story and go a step further with all of that. You know, it's not just going to come in and just give you more of the same and call it a day. It's got to do more and more. Mm -hmm. And it comes at the expense of the kids because Mm -hmm. my boys were kind of like, yeah, we definitely like the first one a lot more than this one because this one's just Mm kind of like gets to be madness. (laughs) Yeah. I, I felt like both of the multiverse movies, everything everywhere. And mm, even the Dr. Doctor Strange movie from last year mm. handled that multiverse jumping um, a little bit better and a little bit more coherently. Um, 
So that's why I was wondering if your kids had seen it. Like I, I, and I've had a couple of friends that have seen it now multiple times and they said that it gets so much better and like kind of clearer after you've mm. like had a chance to process it twice, you know, all the intricacies of that story and where it goes and the things that it does. Um, and so I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'll definitely go yeah. see it a second time because I know I'll be able to like, you know, kind of be able to handle that a little bit better. But as far as like kids, it's not geared towards kids as much as the first one. And I thought, thought that was a real yeah. shame that, um, you know, they didn't, uh, they kind of lost, you know, a lot of their younger audience along the way there as they were trying to um, take things up a notch in the sequel. So. Yeah. That's one of my totally, but yeah, it is totally fair criticism. Really yeah, and I do. <laughs> after I watched it once, I actually saw it twice as well. Oh, after I watched it. it once, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if my son's ready for this yet." Yeah, like we'll watch it at home because that way, if he gets bored, we can. Yeah, it. because I do think like it just doesn't move quite as quickly, and also it's yeah. like two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, which is is long for yeah. a, a thing that absolutely thinking kids might sit through, um, but. I absolutely loved it. I actually think it's better than the first one. I'll mm. say, and I to- totally thought about everything everywhere all at once. Sort out. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about everything everywhere all at once, and I was like, I like this more than that too. In the way it handles multiverse. Really? So, yeah, I, I don't know, and I, I love everything everywhere all at once. But I, I said this last year too. Like, it didn't quite hit hit the emotional registers that I know it did for a lot of people. For me. Yeah. Um, but, but I love how creative it is. And, 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 and when I said that to my wife, it's like, you, you know, you've never been a mother to a daughter or a daughter to a mother. And I was like, that is true. And maybe that's the difference because um, it is such a mother daughter story. And, and again, I love that, that aspect of the film, but yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, I, I just, I love how this, we, we do jump to some different timelines or different universes and it does it gets it gets pretty heavy into the the lore with like the canon events and all of that which um i can definitely see getting bogged down in but (laughs) i really was just with it and like yeah along for the ride and it'll be interesting uh, to see how this movie like kind of sits when like in a year or a couple of years and we can Mm -hmm. go back and look at this and like kind of compare it to the first one and and after you've had time to like really get yeah. your mind around the whole story, mm-hmm. you know, that, that'll, that'll really kind of tell the tale, um, you know, as far as like it's, it's uh, longevity yeah. um, and where it sits by comparison to the first it, time, time will tell. Yeah. And it's very much a, you know, a, leading towards a sequel, like cliffhanger even where um, I, I also love that. Is that a spoiler to say that it's a cliffhanger? I think because that was they said going in like this is part one of two really like (laughs) oh it does say I I didn't know I didn't know until the credits rolled okay yeah so I I that is one thing I'd heard about it a few months back like when they first announced it they actually announced it as across the spider-verse part one Ah, and so like they they changed it now it's across the spider-verse and beyond the spider-verse I guess for the titles and see I Um, know that there's a beyond the spider-verse now but I I didn't realize it until the credits rolled I was like oh there's gonna be and I'm glad they did that because if like by the time got to be about two hours in and i'm like it's like a new thing is starting now there is no feasible way if they had tried to condense all this into one movie it would have been a disaster yeah Uh, so i'm so glad that they made a second part that's coming out i'm guessing in a year or two who knows what the writer's strike so i think it's going to be sort of a trilogy now with the three exactly and they said that there will not be a fourth this is it it's just going to be one two three that'll be it but uh 
Yeah, and so it definitely feels like you know the Empire Strikes Back of this yeah, trilogy in a way, exactly. and, and that's my favorite Star Wars movie. So I, oh, well, it makes sense, course. and I love it there too. Yeah, that's why we're friends. If you had said Return <laughs> of the Jedi, I'd be turning my computer <laughs> off right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I did not intend to talk about Spider Man that long, but I'm <laughs> well, clearly a big, big fan of it. Really good movie. Hey, I can't, I can't knock that too much. Uh, all right, well, then I think it's time for your number one, right? This is it. Number one movie so far of 2023 for me is the one based on a Judy Bloom book from the 1970s. Oh, nice. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I love this movie so much. Um, like, I was completely taken with it. Um, and I had never read the book, like, when oh. I was younger never grew up with it. And of course it's a girl, it's kind of a girl's book, you know, the coming of age, you know, mm-hmm. so like buying your first bra and getting your period. And, exactly. stuff. So yeah. and, and as I was like, why did my parents not want me to read this? There's a few okay. reasons, probably that, but yeah. also like <laughs> the religious stuff. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, but no, such a, such a, um, delightful watch. Um, the direction and the writing by Kelly Fremont Craig, is who uh, who wrote and directed the film, uh, who adapted, um, you know, the screenplay from the book. She is just like spot on, nails the the tone of that book. Mm. She just perfectly captures the soft and gentle way that it handles uh, its topics. Uh, it, they're not forced, and they do it with a lot of like humor and a great sensibility. Um, and even the religious themes, you know, like it, it kind of, the, the book makes it easy because in the book, the, the mother is Christian and the father is Jewish. And so they're raising their daughter to not have, a, you know, religious, um, you know, uh, they're not raising her to believe mm-hmm. in one God or another. Um, and so like coming from where I come from, like being, um, you know, indoctrinated from when I was old enough to think, basically, like those mm-hmm. themes really spoke to me. Um, and I found a lot of that, uh, that pretty fascinating. Um, and even though the film is like, like I said, a bit girly, while it covers the nuances of, of dealing with the complexities of puberty and young womanhood, um, you know, but this, this film does it in 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 absolutely like hilarious ways sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it is the funniest movie I've seen this year, even, even, you know, like the Dungeons and Dragons and a few of the other movies, uh, you hurt my feelings. You know, you'll get some laughs and quite a few of the other, mm. other movies that have come out. But this one I found just like pretty much from start to finish, just like thoroughly um, humorous and, and entertaining and uh yeah like i had to buy the book afterwards and listen to the book the audio book um but i just love uh that that film so much and uh it should be out on video here i think within the next month well, yeah i think, I think pretty soon yeah i bet it'll it might stream and, 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 yeah, uh, video on demand or something available right now yeah. but uh yes yeah it's a fantastic um, movie yeah i don't know sorry didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, I also really love this movie. You actually encouraged me because I was like, I, I don't know if I want to see this or not. And you're like, go see it. And I really loved it. Like this is 
just outside my top five. I almost almost had it on my list. Um, so yeah, you've spoken beautifully about it already. I'll just say too that Rachel McAdams is so great as the mom character in this, um, and so is Benny Safdie as the dad. Like both of but Rachel McAdams really kills it. Abby Ryder Fort Fortson plays Margaret, the little yeah, girl. So good too. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but yeah, the entire ensemble is uh, even Kathy Bates is the grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all do such a great job. I kept expecting it to be like just a little too cheesy or something, but it really wasn't. Like I, it feels really honest. And uh, I also, I went and got the book from the library. I've read a a chunk of it, but not not the whole thing, but yeah, what you said about the tone, I think is just Mm -hmm. right. And uh, yeah, I've talked a lot on this podcast about religious trauma and like those kind of themes always resonate. And I think this is such an interesting thing. And yeah, I knew nothing about the book. I didn't know, Obviously, that title should have clued me in, I feel like, yeah. um, but it it was yeah. much more um, in the weeds of the religious stuff than I, I expected in a way that I really liked. to go that yeah. far into it, but mm-hmm. man, it was so good. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that one. And that's one I want to watch again, too. And I think like oh, yeah. my wife would really appreciate it as well. I'll try to show her that one. All right. It's time for my number one. And this is a film that I, again, a film festival find that um, I kind of it really was just like oh this is the time that i have and the length of the movie i need to slot this in i was so blown away by this movie it's called hummingbirds and it's a documentary actually it's uh also played at sundance um and it's fascinating because it's it's a movie where like i didn't i I hadn't read you know i should have seen this was on like the documentary competition titles Mm -hmm. but i didn't know it was a documentary <laughs> and like five minutes in, I was still questioning like, is this a documentary or is this like a narrative, <laughs> but it is a documentary. The two directors are also the two main characters. It's they're kind of turning the camera on themselves. Uh, their names are Silvia del Carmen Castaños and Estefania Contreras. If I'm pronouncing those. Okay. They live in Laredo, Texas. They're very young and they um, are just best friends and they have a few other friends that that feature prominently in the film as well and it just captures like their uh, their joy their struggles their activism um they th- the way they communicate which feels so young <laughs> like I've, I've felt old watching it but but it's like it really invites you into their world it's like a slice of life i guess in in their um their town. they're very funny characters i mean the real people uh, it feels very authentic um and it's just like the most just like shot of youthful energy brought to screen that i've seen in a really long time it also is like part of why i wasn't sure if it was a documentary at first is because there's these beautiful shots where they're like looking at the, the landscape and like letting the camera really hold still on a landscape and there's like this poetry that they, they read some, some original poetry, some other poetry that, or just voiceover that uh, kind of thematically ties into what they're doing. Um, there's not just a ton of plot to it. Like there's some things that happen, but um, it really kind of lets you sit and meditate on their experiences and um, the ways they felt and sort of like border patrol is, is lingering over their lives and deportations have happened close to them and um they uh yeah just it kind of looks at their struggles and what their lives are like but it's so funny and it's so charming and um there's hilarious lines like they're 
running down the street and one of their friends says like makes it let's race and says last one there's a republican <laughs> like just, just really funny things like that um and they yeah it's i don't know what else to say about it other than it's it's so energetic and so full of life and it's uh it's an hour and 18 minutes so it's not terribly long um highly highly recommend hummingbirds and it's one i want to watch again and, and kind of especially for end of year stuff like make sure it lives up on second viewing but i was completely taken with it and uh highly recommend hummingbirds yeah, I'll have to yeah. Put that one out. that's it i haven't gotten hardly any documentaries in because i know sundance usually has like a whole slew of great docs but i mm-hmm. only I, I the only documentary i've gotten to watch this year is the still um documentary uh, michael j fox oh right yeah yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. that one yeah, was kind of from thing. sundance i believe i believe it uh, that sounds right but i'm not sure it did yeah. drop on apple and and that's a really good one. I enjoyed that that movie pretty well. But nice. uh, but yeah, there's there's a, a few of them that I'll have to make it a point to catch up with. Yeah, that may be the only documentary I've seen this year. Actually, I have seen probably about half as many movies as you. But mm-hmm. and again, I don't even know it was a documentary walking into it. But I loved <laughs> it. Um, well, cool. Any any uh, honorable mentions that almost made your list that uh, you want to mention? Um, yeah. So so like I said, the uh, right kind of tailing behind. The um, um, the Dungeons and Dragons was I actually I I may have liked this movie a little bit more, but it's not available yet. It's Fair Play. It's the best movie I got to see in Sundance, um, and it's about this like a guy and a girl, more or less kind of like a battle of the sexes uh, in like an office uh, like the office setting. And so it goes to like some really interesting places is like, um, you know, they get like kind of won over for like a position or a promotion. And, um, and it's just a really interesting movie. It was the, like Netflix bought it for like 20 million out of, out of Sundance. Mm, wow. so it was the highest um, that any, any movie got acquired for out of Sundance. And it'll be dropping on Netflix later on this year, but I didn't want to um, get on and like, talk it up too much because nobody can watch it yet until uh until it drops probably in october or november i would uh, speculate um that was a pretty good one air and tetris like i said they're both uh, you know pretty uh pretty good watches um and then spider-man um another one out of uh sundance was rye lane that's now streaming on hulu Mm -hmm fantastic walk and talk rom-com um nice this young black couple in uh england or london are like they just kind of get into that they're both um coming off of like a a breakup or a you know a relationship that's Mm. ending they end Mm. up beaten and just kind of like getting into some some silliness and she's really outgoing and He's just kind of this like a hipster type of guy, but they're both really cool and they go back and forth and have some really fun sequences. Like at the end of the first act, um, there's a restaurant scene. I won't give anything away of what happens, but it is absolutely hilarious. Probably one of the better scenes uh, of, of the 40 movies or so that I've, I've gotten to watch. Um, nice. Uh, um, yeah, Rye Lane is just a delight if you're into romantic yeah, comedies at all. Yeah. You'll probably have a good time with Rye Lane. 
Nice. Um, I only had really one other besides Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, which again was just right outside. I almost had it on there. And uh, yeah, you know, it's one of the things like, on, an, on another day, I might have swapped that out with my number five. Yeah. Um, but then the other one was Infinity Pool, the oh, uh, yeah. David, or not David Cronenberg, <laughs> Brandon Cronenberg film. Yeah. Very effed up movie, but I really liked it and I thought it uh, thematically interesting. And um, more and more, really love. Um, uh alexander skarsgård who uh, yeah. is uh, and mia goth too i think is is great and such a fun combination of them have you watched succession by the way no the tv show no, he's I in it in the last season shows just one yeah. here or there i'll pick out and get a chance to watch it but well i'll just say for you and for any listeners too succession is amazing so it's <laughs> worth the time uh but he's in it alexander skarsgård has a character in and he's very, everyone in the show is kind of hateable, but he's very hateable also. And he's yeah. also so charming and like, yeah, you know, his whole thing. But um, yeah, there's, there's my honorable mentions. Um, cool. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, things to, to mention. Is, is there anything else? Oh, one other thing that I should have said at the beginning that I haven't seen yet that I think is maybe available or about to be available is Past Lives, which yeah. looks like it's going to be right up my alley, but I have it. Uh, haven't seen that one just yet yeah it's, um, uh, it's only been in like a few select cities i got mm-hmm. i reached out to a24 and they're gonna get me whenever it drops into charlotte they'll hook me nice. up with a hook me up with a, a ticket um i just nice. gotta wait for it to, to pop up because it's they went from like yeah. four theaters to like 20 and now it's at 100 yeah but it's kind of like what they do with everything everywhere all at once where they're really uh, gradually yep, i think releasing slowly, it so start releasing it more and more and let the word get around. I think they're hoping, I think they're gunning for another best picture nominee, if not mm, a win nice. out of it. Cause a lot of critics are like falling all over themselves for it. But yeah, yeah, it's not playing anywhere near me and I have no access to it. So, but yeah, that's yep, on yep. the list that that'll be uh, you know, coming up as soon as I can get into a theater to check it out. Yeah. So that's one of my most anticipated, uh, I should think in like what I've, what else is coming up later this year, obviously a new Chris, Chris Nolan movie with Oppenheimer, new Greta Gerwig with Barbie. I'm excited about the summer movies, but yeah, yeah like I'll obviously go see Oppenheimer, Barbie, my kids want to see the Ninja Turtles, but yeah, yeah. The Ninja Turtles actually, I, I'm not a Ninja Turtles kid. Like I didn't ever yeah. have any love for that, but I saw the trailer. Like, that looks pretty good. Like it seems like a, a cool direction to take it. Yeah. yeah. Animation looks cool. Seems comedic in a way that it will be fun. So yeah. There's going to be some good art house movies. Uh, if you heard anything about the uh, Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. It's some good stuff. Fall that won the Palm d'Or. Mm-hmm. I am psyched to see. I'm psyched to see both Anatomy of a Fall and Zone of Interest. Those yes, yeah, are as well. both going to be pretty amazing. So uh, we've got a new Corey Ada film coming out, Monster. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah new Scorsese good. coming later this year, too. Yeah. Great. Stoked for that one. Yeah. Dune um, 2. There's some good stuff. Oh, yeah. Dune 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I tell you, the uh, Christopher Nolan one, I Oppenheimer, I haven't been that excited. And I think it's just because I did not like Tenet very much at all, his oh. most recent. But then these most recent trailers, and it seems like it's in a, a Dunkirk-esque lane for him i'm pretty excited about it now like that it looks pretty good um yeah so some big stuff coming should be a good year we'll see if any of our top five stick around on the 
top we, 10 list. But, yeah, uh, we, uh, we, we didn't have any overlap, so this is a first. Yeah, uh, we broke uh, the, the trend. Sorry. See how the end of the year <laughs> yeah. shakes out. But, uh... <laughs> Very nice. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Russell, as always, for coming on and yeah. sharing your lovely list making with us and uh, talking movies for a little bit. I'm excited to see how it shakes out. I, I plan to have you back at the end of the year, so you can count on it and uh, we'll talk to you in a few months if not before then yeah. Fantastic. huge thanks to Russell for taking the time to come and grace us with his movie thoughts always a pleasure talking with him stay tuned next time I'm planning to discuss the new Wes Anderson film that's Asteroid City and then after that we're returning to our Aronofsky series with a look at Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan and with that, thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage and all those places, or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. <laughs>